Oh, hey there, listeners and juicers. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you have fallen in love with the Draw Your Dice podcast and want to help put some new fruit on the table, but don't feel comfortable making a monthly commitment, well, you can support the show via the ACAST supporter feature. No gift too large, nor too small. Just click on the link in the show description and know that I am sending you the strongest hug when you do so. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My name is Jeremy Gage, and welcome to the Draw Your Dice podcast. This is an educational show involving all things tabletop role-playing industry. Listen alongside me as we hear from creators, entrepreneurs, and supporters about their personal best practices, principles, and philosophies. I encourage anyone from the budding game designer to a seasoned publisher and everyone in between to sit down with us and enjoy today's episode. Thank you for coming to the Dry Your Eyes podcast. This is Jeremy Gage as you're in the intro. But as always, the show is never about me. It is who I have brought to you today. And I have brought uh, another fellow podcaster, a game designer, a just found out producer of documentaries. <laughs> I would love to welcome to the show, Eco. <sighs> good, good morning. Thank you for having me. It's it's an absolute pleasure to have you on here, Eco. As always at the top of the show, would you just give a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, any links and things? I would love people to get to know who you are and also give you money as soon as possible. Yeah, sure. So I'm Eco. I'm I run the Lost Bay podcast, which is a podcast on and with indie RPG creators and designers and artists. It's an interview podcast about the creative processes of RPG makers, basically. And I also make RPG zines. And you can find all my stuff at thelastbaystudio.com, which is like kind of the umbrella website where I put everything I'm uh, doing. And that's quite, that's about it. Perfect. Additionally, as an icebreaker for all the fans, would you just give sort of a lineage of your RPG exposure? Maybe it was like, what was the first RPG you played? And then what was the first sort of idea that got you into game design as well? Yeah, sure. So I started playing quite young, like when I was 14 or 15, basically D&D. I played like for 10 years, probably with the same group of friends. And then we moved on to college or to work, different cities, different countries. And I stopped playing for a long time until maybe four or five years ago when mm-hmm. I started playing again in 
Paris, France, and basically I've met a bunch of really nice and kind folks, and we've been playing mostly indie stuff, like homebrew systems and games. And and then something happened with the pandemic and the lockdown, you know. I started mm-hmm. spending more time, more time on the internet and I could talk more about that. This is when the podcast started actually, but it's the moment in which I discovered the OSR, post OSR indie scene, I, whatever we want to call it. And yeah, you know, staying home, working home and spending lots of hours on the computers that led me to, to discovering new, uh, new RPG territories. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of a new adventure for me, like uh, like exploring and taking part to the in the in the community. It's less than a year, probably. That's amazing. Yeah. So you started the you started the podcast at the kind of top of the pandemic, or like after a little little while into the middle of it. Why? I, why? Yeah, why yeah, did I you do, do that? Yeah, I I do at one of the one of. At the one, uh, at one of the spikes of the of the pandemic, at least here mm-hmm. in continental Europe. So basically, in my day job, I'm an indie documentary producer, and uh, the pandemic hit our industry pretty hard, as the festival circuit and the theaters were closed, and so like w- work became really slow somehow. And and uh, my roommate, which is also my business partner, just was seeing me spending evenings watching Critical Role, you know, videos, <laughs> and, and talking to them about Critical Role. And they don't play RPG at all. They, and, so, and after a while, they told me, hey, listen, buddy, you've got time on your hands. You seem to really enjoy this RPG thing. Why don't you try doing something about it? I mean, we have not much to do, so... So, yeah, so the, I kind of responded, you know, to, to that, to that push. And I'm not sure how then it started. I, I was, I, I've read Cairn, the book by Yohai Gal. I had invited me to his uh, Discord server, NSR. It was very kind and I was really struck by Cairn and, I mean, I just said, let's try it. I did the first interview like that without really knowing how many episodes I would do or even if I would do uh, more than one episode. But I had good feedback on, on, the, on the show. And then from there, it started growing. And honestly, it has been a huge opportunity. I'm really grateful for to, to, to meet like awesome creators and create and really, re, yeah, there, there's a lot of, Awesome people in in the in the RPG community, and that has been really, yeah, a huge opportunity to 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 meet people and understand how they think, how they feel, how they work, and yeah, that's about it. I think that some of the listeners of this show will find that that we have very similar timelines and exposures to starting our podcast, and that yeah. you know, for me. I started this podcast back in September of 2020 and I told myself I would do 52 episodes. I would get 52 guests on the show and do like a year's worth of podcasting and see how that goes. And I wanted to learn from a bunch of people. I wanted to learn more about game design, game theory, the business of it. And like, just like you said, I've met you included a ton of amazing individuals who are 
creative and caring and want what's right for the RPG industry as a collective, which has all been really amazing. It's really awesome to hear that there are obviously other communities out there that are doing very similar things. So I'm happy that you, you also started podcasting and showing the world that there are cool people out there. Yeah. You're doing yeah. a, you're doing a great service. Thank I also, you. you know, yeah. I, I can't say enough nice things. Well, I do want to pick your brain about the, yeah. uh, pr- producer stuff as well later. Cause I think that might be useful to those who are in like the field of actual plays, which I think could be cool, but I want to, I want to talk about you a little bit more and your yeah. first game that we're kind of set up here to talk about or your first, supplemental piece sky realm so what was the what was the idea for sky realms how did that get started for you okay so I, actually it's the second zine i i released a few months of, of, of I, I i i've like put out in the wide and i've kickstarted in august another zine which is broken luck which is a troika zine but somehow i feel that like okay now i'm going to f- to do fulfillment and distribute it throughout a few stores. And uh, yeah, somehow I feel like the life of Broken Luck has ended for me, all the, the like the path. And I started working on Sky Realms like a couple of months ago. Basically, how this started was I was chatting with Leo from LFOSR. I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with LFOSR or... I am not. You're not? Okay. So LFOSR is, uh, I'm not sure how I should call it, a small press or studio um, Mm-hmm. Uh, which produces limited uh, handcrafted editions of zines, of RPG mm-hmm. zines. And they do absolutely beautiful stuff. And is going to print, print some, some cards, which are stretch goals and goodies for the Broken Luck campaign, Kickstarter campaign I, I, I ran in, in August. And, and so I was chatting with Leo and, and about the yeah, ideas, basically. I was... Like, mm-hmm. Not really brainstorming. I was basically asking uh, a lot of questions about papers and what can be done. And he was explaining me the shortage of paper right now because of like the z- disruption in the supply chain, etc. And I just, yeah, I wanted to do a bestiary, basically like a card-based bestiary. And uh, mm. I started working on that. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I support Evelyn Moreau, uh, Moreau on Patreon. And mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. I started browsing. Probably I received like an email notifications, notification with some new drawings she had put on uh, her, her patron. So I started browsing her drawings. And uh, of course, I knew Evelyn's work, but I thought bestiary plus Evelyn's drawings. That could be really cool. Mm-hmm. And I've shown a drawing to Leo asking him like, what he was thinking about it, but like uh, printing wise, how we could print it in an, in, in an interesting way, etc. And uh, the thing he said was, well, I, I, I would use it to do some coloring, you know, as a, as a coloring mm. figure. And uh, the, the Sky Realms, this zine I'm working on is like, I call it a weird fan game neutral bestiary and coloring book. So, and so I started trying that coloring Evelyn's drawings and that was like, I found 
solace in that. That was an amazing experience. And so mm -hmm. I designed the book in a way that it's both going to be, uh, so yeah, there's a bestiary and little implied setting. And there are also some complementary tables that helps like mm -hmm. uh, outlining, uh, that help outlining the setting. But also I've picked the drawings and I've, yeah, and, and I've, yeah, designed the book in a way that it can it can be a nice coloring book and it's going to be printed on on cool and nice paper so that you can color it with whatever you want, pencils, crayons, or or even markers or paint. And so that's Ooh. the story. That's the spark that launched Sky Realms, basically. And you have such cool like intricately textured drawings here as well like in terms of all the creatures i love that you can sort of insert the islands into really whatever other setting you're using right yeah i think one of the things i've been exploring a lot lately as i think about different things i want to create i'm really into this idea of i was listening to the rpg panel cast podcast and they had an episode about micro settings and yeah. talking about how a lot of the old trad games with their big sweeping continents of content don't really have that much in terms of content and those people feel like when they are operating games on those settings it feels like it's borrowed land in a way like yeah. if i make up a I don't know, a, sh a big shrine temple of some sort in this desert, I kind of have to like build the temple around the desert. So they were talking about like how Duskval and Blades in the Dark is an example of a micro setting. It's a single city that you can kind of like plant anywhere in another. And I also love that you created something that's system agnostic. You just really need a D6, which most people should have based on other board games that they could use any yeah. of these prompting tables to insert these beasts or places or even like the Im implied setting bits into their game, which is really, really cool. I'm just very fascinated by a project like this. And I think it's, I think it's smart. And the fact that it's a, like a sort of a, what was the term? Someone called it like destructive games or something like that, but like where you mark up or tear up your, Oh, yeah. uh, RPG supplement, right? So I love that you could like customize your book and have maybe like the same creature, but different cultures. If you had two people like come into contact with Sky Realm, it would, it's just, it's very cool. Yeah, I love micro setting. As, uh, I mean, I think they're, they're really cool because they leave a, a lot of agency to to people play who play, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like to the, the the game masters or the players, and yeah, they're they're more fun basically, and and yeah, in in Skyrim's, I wanted things to be very open, you know. There there a lot mm -hmm. of I I've put a lot of work into like suggesting things and leaving leaving things also unexplained and. There's this cyclops thing, this theme of these cyclops who have died, which is there and nobody knows why and what it is really. And so, yeah, I tried, yeah, to, to, to leave it open so that, that, so that people could like branch their own words, creations, campaigns, whatever games into it, you know, so mm -hmm. that it was like, uh, 
yeah, not not a not not rigid structure, but rather like something like malleable. Is that an English word? I don't yeah. know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> yeah, it feels very. I think micro settings are kind of like adventure seeds in yeah. of themselves, and it's Absolutely. so fascinating that like you could plant right, like plant a micro setting into mm-hmm. your larger setting, and from there, as it grows, as any players become like more and more invested in that particular micro setting that it, it gets roots, it gets branches. It starts to take on a completely different form as the game progresses. If that's something that the players are interested in. So I think it's really fa- I think just the concept of micro settings and system agnostic or setting agnostic pieces of content are, I think more powerful than they get credit for, which is, yeah, which is yeah. really interesting to me. And hey, listen, if people like it, I'll, 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 I'd love to write more, you know, about this mm-hmm. setting too. And I, the fun fact about it is that, so <clears throat> for, for listeners, the Skyrams are three float, tiny floating islands between like the mortal world and the, like, <clears throat> and I don't know what the world of the gods. And actually mm-hmm. they're inspired from real islands. I've been visiting this summer for work some Itali- small islands in the, yeah, not so far from the Italian shore. I've been traveling for mm-hmm. work and uh, I knew some of them already, but yeah, so I, I, I kind of tried to translate the, um, it might sound odd because it's really a weird setting, but I tried to translate the things I saw in those islands to, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, into RPG stuff. So, so Yeah. So I can write more about that about that because I I love those places. So also Skyrealm's coloring contest win. Oh yeah, that's a great you know idea. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for the idea. <laughs> that's a great idea. Yeah, hey, okay. you can have that for free. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's launch that. That's a great idea. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would love to see because I'm looking at like. I'm looking at the the cone beings. I'm looking at the the lostronaut, and it's just so easy. I could see all the different variants. I could see someone like coloring in a background for that picture. Like, yeah, I wonder if yeah, I wonder if people w- would do background drawings, you know, for for the mm-hmm. um, the figures. Yeah, the lostronaut is a really fun drawing to color. Honestly, is is honestly. Amazing. Yeah, 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 because it has so much detail and it's easy. Mm-hmm. The shape is really easy to, I mean, I'm really bad at, at drawing or crafts of, or coloring, but, but yeah, I really enjoyed coloring these Evelyn Morrow's figures. She's, she's really an, an, an incredible artist with a unique sensi- sensitivity. And mm-hmm. I'm so, I'm so happy and grateful that she, yeah, she accepted basically that that I use her drawings for this project, and yeah, so really happy about that. Yeah, it's a lot. I, this is the only shortcoming of a podcast being an audio medium is that I can't uh, yeah. share what I'm seeing with the fans or listeners. But yeah, people will have to know, buy it. You know, exactly. <laughs> Go buy the game. But yes, the all the art pieces, all the figure pieces are so cool because they have such an asymmetrical slash organic style. Like there's no sort of like geometry about them. And I think that just 
it feels I've not read the book, but it feels very much like the kind of style of like what's it called? Where the wild things are, right? Oh, like yeah. There's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of like Ghibli energy in here as well. I agree. I agree. That made made me think about where the wild things are. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I her drawings. I mean, some of of our her drawings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's great. It's super cool. Yeah, Skyrim's is cool, really evocative. Everyone go and get it. There's no reason not to. You know what yeah. I'm saying? There's a there's a person carrying a there's a religious which is carrying like a, a giant's foot. Yeah. Just carrying it around. Yeah, yeah. Just a little bug bug man. Bug there's, man carrying a foot. There's there's yeah, there's a lot of strange and nice and surprising creatures and yeah. Mm-hmm. So, sort of the uh, next bit here, sort of break up the break yeah. up the game speak a little bit, and talk a little bit more about like the off mic. We were talking about business a tiny bit, or like the topic of business. And I'd love to kind of pick your brain about what it takes to be a producer of documentaries, because a that's part of who you are as a person currently. And B, I myself am trying to get into production for actual plays. So I'd love to get a tiny bit of insight, whatever you're willing to provide for how that works. And if you have like any advice for people who also want to help do production work in our RPG space. Okay, so about like the non-RPG part of it. So yeah. I work in, in continental Europe and I know that's like the the ecosystem and also the financial part of the ecosystem of a documentary production. And I'm talking about like indie documentary production, mm-hmm. meaning films made for theatrical release in small uh, cinemas or in the festival circuit is really different mm-hmm. from what happens in the United States or in other parts of the world. Interesting. Meaning that it relies extremely on public funding. There are like strong like state institution that support uh, like globally cinema in continental Europe, especially in France Mm -hmm. and a production documentary relies mainly on that. So, I mean, I've been working in that field for like 15 years. So I know how it works there, but I'm not sure that, you know, it's, it's very, it's very different. Sometimes, sometimes I think like France is, so yeah, it's a very strange system. Basically, it was it was it was actually it was created by a communist mini, in uh, who was the head of the the Ministère de la Culture in the fifties. So it was it, mm-hmm. it's a very different system where where like in French cinema, public f- funding is represents between 50 and 60% of the funding. So interesting. Yeah. And I could talk hours about that, but that, that implies a lot of things in the way you work. Basically you, mm-hmm. you, you get to get through a lot of commissions who are going to decide if they fund you or not. Basically sounds a little bit like, I don't know, socialist country in, in the seventies or something like that. But mm-hmm. anyways, what I would say is that that was a bit long, but what I would say is that today, after almost two years into the pandemic, mm-hmm. our industry has been totally disrupted because the theaters have, they remained closed for so long. And even now in almost all the countries, 
The theaters, the cinema theaters have reopened at some capacity, but the market is totally, yeah, disrupted and balanced. It's, it's, it, it's transforming extremely quickly and nobody knows what's going to happen. So I'll say that my advice would be embrace change because things are going to change so quickly and try to ed educate yourself to how the market and like the, the landscape is evolving and and embrace change because i think i think that what we've experienced in my in this industry is that some some transformations that were somehow expected to happen in like 10 or 15 years happened in mm -hmm. 6 months basically wow yeah so and some structural transformations of the market mm -hmm. and so yeah i just had a like huge and great like business slash planning meeting with my my business partner today and it was all about yeah I'm, let's embrace change that's for like the non-rpg part of it and yeah you talked about actual plays yeah I'm so what does what does like a day in the life of a producer look like Oh yeah, <laughs> a lot of spreadsheets basically. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, yeah, a lot of spreadsheets. No, yeah. Is so, it about like finding funding for things? Is it about like assembling the budget? Is it more I than think that? It, you know, I think it's like I mean, when you're not working with a network or in 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 a studio, I think it's it's a little bit like any creative in any creative like job you do a, a a bit or a lot of everything you know from mm -hmm. looking for funding supervising technical aspects finding solutions mm -hmm. but yeah basically what i would say yeah i'm not sure sorry I, i'm a bit lost in the conversation i'm i, I don't remember no uh, you're what, okay you're super yeah. okay i basically what i am uh, so maybe this will help I am currently working on a production of an actual play. Yeah, that's where we have good, a, great. That's thank you. Great news. Thank you. It's my first one, and you know, part of the reason I made this podcast is so I could selfishly learn from others because I don't want to pay <clears> for <throat> any sort of schooling or online courses. Great strategy. But thank you, <laughs> and everyone else gets the benefit as well. You sure. Uh, but. So uh, what I'm kind of asking, you talk about like you're looking for solutions for problems and things like that. Are you kind of like the, I don't want to say mastermind. That's not quite the correct space I want to, I want to ask the question, but are you sort of responsible for the, structure of how a production is put together. And what I more specifically mean by that is, are you responsible for like the timeline? Are you responsible for? Oh no, the quick answer is no, I'm not. Okay. Basically, okay, cool. uh, I, so my job is to provide the means to the author director and the, probably, I don't know, that's very French. I, I mean, like the, the real the real captain of the ship is the director. Uh -huh. They are the okay. author and the, the, and like the, the subject of the film is theirs and they sort of 
decide how they want to work. And so the job of the producer is to like uh, facilitate or create the, the, the structure that will uh, provide the necessary means technical or otherwise to, 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 to make the job of the director possible and, and easier. So, so mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of, of dialogue. And of course the, the producer is in charge and responsible of the financial aspect. So you might point, you might say that some things can be done and then you have mm-hmm. to find technical solutions in dialogue with the director to, mm-hmm. yeah, to, to, to bring them what they need to, to build the, the, the film and, and the story. So that's I, so cool. Yeah, it is. So you're, you're kind of helping to maybe bring the director's vision to a tangible reality by within the means of what specifically in the continental Europe, what is provided to you based on sort of crowdfunding methods. Is this, is this almost correct? Based on crowdfunding, you said, or... Yeah, you said a lot of there's like government funding for the for oh, the yeah. arts in continents. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, but it's yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's not crowdfunding. It's it's not it's, crowdfunding. It, government no, funding. it's it's yeah, it's really like you have to write like screenplays, sixty pages screenplays. You are, you assist mm-hmm. the, the director in that, and then mm-hmm. there's like twenty pages budgets that go together with the wow. screenplays, very detailed and and yeah, there the applications are extremely complex and details and wow. detailed and I mean I, and I don't do that alone. I know I have like people who help me and who are oh, uh, cool. like maybe specialized in some aspects, for example like this the financial part of it or and mm-hmm. and then you go look for the funding like that. So but again I think like this is how I've been working for years, but I think like it's almost over now because I mean, there's been the pandemic and uh, there's mm-hmm. been like, like the platforms like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Apple mm. TV, etc., taking a huge chunk of the market during mm-hmm. the pandemic. So yeah, the, the, the market is shifting really. So, so yeah. So speaking I've, I've got a question for you. Are you going to yeah. to run the actual plays as well, or or are you going to produce actual plays with other, you know, GMs or players? So what's what's your plan? So what I essentially want to be is like a producer slash showrunner in a way. So I want to. So for this next project, the the process that I've currently concocted is that I will work with the GM who I guess in this case, just to use some applied knowledge now is technically the director of the show. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great analogy. Thank you. And basically we're going to sit down after our meeting today, after we do a cast meet and greet of like, Hey, what are you looking to do with the, the episode, like what sort of narrative bullet points are you going to hit, et cetera, et cetera. And then what I was going to do after that is sort of think about, okay, so like what can we do with different graphics, right? What sort of like different graphics could we use for, cause this is pre-produced. This isn't going to be a live stream. 
So what kind of like graphics can we use for the recording? I was also going to like listen in on the sessions and make timestamp notes for the GM's vision slash my vision to share with the video production team to be like, it'd be cool if like we could have a zoom in on these two characters because they're engaged in a long dialogue here. Just kind of like notes like that. If there's like audio stuff we can do like you know this this character is a dragon so it'd be cool if we can get like some sort of echo effect on on their voice or something while they're speaking that dialogue or when that character comes up so i was going to engage in like things like that to sort of manage bring communication to all the teams and to the cast and manage the scheduling and execution of the production and then all the post-production is out of my hands Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's a cool project. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, yeah, you know, when you mentioned right before we started that you were a a producer of documentaries, I I really wanted to see how things worked on your end and what sort of... And it's interesting because I didn't really consider that the producer is the one that sort of handles the all the financial bits with all the spreadsheets. But I think that's important because we don't really have like a a person coordinating financials quite yet in our, we do have a confirmed budget, but we just don't know the execution of like how we're trading that money around. So it's cool. It's cool uh, to have, I guess I will also take on that responsibility. (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, Anyways, it's cool to have somebody who, who is in charge of that aspect and, and, and who can tell, uh, you know, you, who can ring some alarms sometimes when, when spending is mm-hmm. not well balanced or whatever. So, Oh, I am um, definitely that person even uh, when I'm not a producer. <laughs> anyways, you know, like producing creative documentaries is a very long process. Each film t- takes between four and six years to be produced. And, Whoa. Uh, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and what I really love about this, you know, RPG thing is and the podcast and the zines is that she, that it's a much different pace, you know. Mm. And of course, so that's that's yeah, that's really something that gives me a lot of pleasure and yeah, you know, it's that's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Thank you for being so vulnerable on the show. I really appreciate. Yeah. It. Let's let's talk about this this big lost. Bay project that you sort of hinted at off mic. What what is it? What's going on? Okay, so yeah, I'm working on <clears throat> this game, The Last Bay, and basically, I named I named the podcast after the game because I had no idea, well, no better idea, you know, for the the show. So I said, okay, I'm gonna call it The Last Bay Podcast. So whatever. So basically, I've been running for I don't know a couple of years a lot of games in the Lost Bay setting, which is a homemade setting set in the, the early 90s during the summer in the in, in fictional South, which is very much inspired from the places where I grew up. Uh, and to be precise, this is the island of Corsica, which is a, a Mediterranean island, a French Mediterranean Ooh. island. But I know that playing it, some people are like, read it or felt that it was somewhere else, like maybe somewhere that had a meaning for them. Somebody told me, oh, it looks, it feels like Southern California or whatever. I mean, it, it, the starting point was was like the place where I grew up. So, but it mm-hmm. became kind of abstract. So 
basically I run, I've run this setting for, I don't know, 50, 60 games, both with a consistent group of players. And I have run a huge campaign. And <clears throat> I, before the, the pandemic, I used to go in a, in a very cool public library in, in Paris, France, where once a month there's an RPG night. And it's an amazing place because it's a very welcoming and safe place. The librarians do an amazing work organizing these sessions. And so every, every once a month, there's, uh, there's like 50, 60, 70 people coming from like really different backgrounds, different, different ages, different like social or ethnic realities and and mm-hmm. like everybody plays to, together in very safe environment. And so there had the, the opportunity to, to play a lot of The Lost Bay with people I didn't know. And, wow. and so, yeah, so in the last two years, I've been writing a lot. I, and I was using pre-existing systems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At first, I, I played using the Tales from the Loop system, which which Ooh. I, yeah, which is cool. Yeah, because the <clears throat> the... The, the characters like the, the you can play are I mean originally there were teenagers so in the new mm-hmm. version of the game they're, they're they're going to be like teenagers or young adults but the the tales from the loop is a is an RPG system where all the characters are are kids they're teenagers you know mm-hmm. so and uh, I've tweaked it a little bit and uh, yeah I've used it and once I I, I started uh, like you know reading, listening, and watching stuff about the OSR and playing more in the OSR or post-OSR-ish style, I bit by bit transformed The Last Bay. So it kind of evolved a lot from where it started from. It's, 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 it has a, yeah, a different game engine now. It's more mm-hmm. simple, more flexible. It, there's more randomish stuff and tables, but also the setting has has evolved. It's more, much more, a little bit like like for Skyrim's open to interpretation. There's 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 mm. something which is suggested, which is a '90s suburban setting and somewhere in somewhere in the south, but it could be, I don't know, Europe. The, U- the U.S., South America, <laughs> Southeast Asia, it doesn't matter. You make it your own. And there's this weird place where weird stuff happens and where during a never-ending summer and the only ones who, who, who notice that the summer is not ending are, 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 are the kids, the teenagers. Adults don't, don't, don't get it, don't see what's happening. So, hmm. and there's like, mystery and gods strange gods who who do their stuff the basically. classics yeah the classics but they're they're kind of <laughs> losers those gods they're kind of they're, <laughs> yeah they're not yeah they're powerful but but there are some losers yeah gods or saints yeah the classics so i've been writing a lot about it and next year in february i'm going to to do a kickstarter during zinquest but yes. as I told you, I, 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 I want the, yeah, the game to be, to be, 
to be open, you know. So I, I mm. I've invited writers to to contribute to to to, to some parts of the game, and yeah. So yeah, I'm not sure like who who if I can tell who is going to contribute now because we are going we are like we are. I'm I'm talking with the people and probably yeah, we're when, in October as of recording this, so we're yeah, still five exactly. months out from Zine Quest. Yeah. So but, you're super okay. You don't have to get into it but, those if you don't want to. Uh, yeah, but because I just want to be super one hundred percent sure. But there's like great people who are going to contribute with texts to the to the to the zine. Each one writing a a tiny bit or a specific part, maybe. Somebody's going to write the scary mofos, which are really bad NPCs, and somebody else mm-hmm. did the bestiary, somebody apart on the gods and on the tarot cards, which are a divination system. And and similarly, there were there will be like different artists contributing. Um, mm-hmm. And because what I like is that I, I like the zine somehow to look like a, a journal, you know, like a diary. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. you 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 cut and paste and write stuff and maybe maybe one page looks like looks like a textbook and one other page like an article and one other page is written by hand and so I like yeah to feel it a bit a bit chaotic messy like like the 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 journal of of, of a teenager and so and yeah and uh, I I've got. I have already have a, like a, a list of great artists contributing to it, and uh, and yeah, what I want is like you know it's hard to speak about images like like that, yeah, it's, uh, you know <laughs> the audio medium that is podcast, yeah, what you mean? yeah, it's like how, how to to call like to, like to there won't be like you know the small drawing like in the bottom right end of the page. Mm-hmm. When there's going to be art, it's going to be like an art explosion, like a double page, full page. And yeah, I want to give a lot of space, a lot of room to the artists mm-hmm. who are, who are, who are going to contribute to the zine. And, and so right now I'm, I'm putting a lot of work in, in, in like building the team who's going to, to, to work on the project. Iam Yusen, you might know, is going to do some development editing. He helped me with the zine Broken Luck and that was awesome. It was really awesome. It really, yeah, it's it's an extraordinary folk. And so he's going to, to be the development editor for the zine. And yeah, and Jared from Exalted Funeral is going to do editing and very um, cool. Yeah, that's cool. And yeah, and yeah, and as I told you, there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of names added up to to this list, basically. So and people uh, are just going to have to follow it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm the the. The pre-launch page is going to be live at the beginning of December. It should, it should. I mean, it's a bit early now, but it should be live at the beginning of December. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's the big project for me, the big RPG <laughs> project. Yeah. I love it. I love collaboration projects like that too, where there's so much going on in the book that you can really start to like build a collective set of authors to be a part of it. And I think it's, as I... 
work on my own giant game, I think it's just really, really cool to bring other hands into the into yeah. the mix and create something that is so much more powerful than yes, what is. you could have created by yourself, right? And you know, that's that's yeah, that's be that. I wasn't ex- expecting that because I mean, it's it started as a very personal project. I even wrote some mm-hmm. like fiction in French, like in, in that setting, etc. But I thought, okay, yeah, just just let it go. Some parts of it, you know, give them to other mm-hmm. people and see how they what they do, you know, what, how they reinterpret or what they bring with their own story, their own sens- sensitivity. I'm going, I'm not going to like micromanage, like I'm just mm-hmm. going to give like some very broad prompts just to be sure that everything is consistent. But yeah, I just want to welcome like others, people, a sensitivity into, into that, that setting. And yeah, I, and I think that's kind of new for, for me. I'm kind of mm-hmm. a control freak somehow on the work <laughs> side of things, at least. So yeah, I, I decided yeah to to loosen up and to yeah to yeah. It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be such a great project. I hope it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> no, no yeah. I'm I'm a '90s baby, so I, it's very really? fascinating me yeah i was born 1990 and wow okay i was born in northern california and i lived in central california for a long time so i i myself am now interested in when this lost bay setting comes out i would love to uh give it a read for sure 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 Well, I think, are there any other topics you want to get into today, Eco? No, 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 I'm not. I, I, I don't think I'm, yeah, no. I mean, I think we've covered like <laughs> like almost everything I do. So <laughs> even, even, the <laughs> nine, the, even the nine to five part, job part. So, I mean, that's quite exhaust, <laughs> exhaustive. So, yeah. <laughs> well, amazing. Well, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Would you just give a brief outro once again of who you are, links <clears> where people can get in touch with you and, and reach out to you and learn more about the Lost Bay Project? All these links that Eco is about to provide will be down below in the show notes for your access listeners. Sure. So uh, thanks again, first of all, for uh, having me. I really enjoyed the, the conversation. And uh, yeah, so I'm Eco. I run the Lost Bay podcast, which is a podcast with and about RPG, indie RPG creators and artists. And uh, right now there's the, I mean, when you, you release this episode, there will be the second, second season of the podcast running. It's going to be weekly and you can reach out at, on Twitter. I, I'm mostly on Twitter and my handle is The Lost Bay or get on my website, which is thelostbaystudio.com and also. Yeah. Basically. And, uh, or, or find the Lost Bay podcast like on like like the major podcast providers like Apple Podcasts or Anchor, Spotify, mm-hmm. and that's it. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining thank us you. today. <laughs> it was It's an absolute pleasure to learn from Eco. I hope you learned a lot of stuff from Eco because I know I certainly did. And we will see you, listen to you. You'll hear us. There it is. You'll hear us next time on the audio medium. Have a great day. Say bye to the people. Eco. Yeah. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. 
Bye. Bye bye. Hey there, listeners. Thank you very much for taking the time to sit down and hang out with Eco and I. We really appreciate it. You can find links and resources down below in the show notes for getting in touch with Eco and other content with similar topics. Support Jeremy and the DYD podcast by reviewing the show or joining the community Discord server. Thanks again for listening, and remember that design is a marathon, so enjoy the journey and have a great day. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.